Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the Series one by one. We will be spoiler free for all future episodes, but we will be discussing details from previous episodes. So make sure that you are caught up if you want to avoid spoilers. Uh, I'm Harrison, and I am proud to say that I do not own a Hanson shirt. Why are you proud to say that? Hanson's uh, fun. Hanson's a fun band, man. True, but weren't they got weren't they bad coveters? Oh, I have no idea about that. All I know is that their album Middle of Nowhere was like foundational in my youth. I right. mean, you know, lots of people say like, you know, Mbop and everything, like, oh yeah, we love those, but I mean, there's like some amazing songs on there like um Man from Milwaukee and uh Yearbook. That song slaps so hard seriously guys go to youtube type in like hansen yearbook and <laughs> sorry let me uh scott whitehouse is calling me <laughs> turn off the sound on my laptop um <laughs> go on <laughs> Yeah, go to YouTube, search Hanson Yearbook, and just be ready, because you would not think that the band that did Umbop can reach depths yeah. like that. All right, all right, I'm down. Um, and by the way, <laughs> I'm Jason, and I'll ride my loud bicycle wherever I want to, BuffyBot. Right. Harrison, what episode are we watching this week? Oh, Jason, I'm so excited, because we were watching... Uh, season Buffy, season six, episode one, uh, bargaining part one. Um, this is the one where we deal with a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions. Uh, In a Buffy episode, no way. <laughs> um, yes, the the Scooby Gang uh, is uh, faking uh, Buffy. Uh, they have a facade of her still being alive using the Buffy bot. Um, but unbeknownst to Giles, Spike, and Dawn, um, Xander, Willow, Anya, and Tara are conspiring to bring Buffy back to life. Um, and shit gets really fucking dark. (laughs) It does. Really fucking quick. Bargaining Part 1 was written by Marty Noxon. And directed by David Grossman and originally aired on its new home, mm-hmm. the UPN, on October 2nd, 2001. Yes. Jason, tell me, tell me and our listeners what you're drinking today. Well, mm-hmm. listen to this. It's a Narragansett. I know that like it's impossible to tell. Honestly, if if there was somebody out there who could tell what a beer was just from hearing the sound of the can opening, that'd be the coolest fucking thing ever. I would love that. Like, like like, I can tell by the way the sound reverberated against the can that that is a PBR. I'm not gonna lie. Like, no matter the gender. I'd probably get a little hard for that. Because <laughs> I'd be like, oh my god. But yes, it is a Narragansett, so thank you for providing that. Yes. Uh, and I'm drinking a Manhattan, because that's what I wanted. 
and uh we're, i don't know like we'll still toast but it's not gonna it's not gonna yeah. sound too great it's a it's a can against a cosmo <laughs> yeah. glass um it, it'll martini be, glass. be better than uh when i tried just while we were recording remotely to like clink against my microphone <laughs> Um, a toast. Uh, gosh, I forgot that it's my turn to do toast when we do Buffy episodes. Um, um, a toast to the beginning of the holiday season, mm-hmm. whatever that means for you. Um, cheers. Cheers. Oh, that actually wasn't so yeah, bad. Yeah, I'm surprised. I think I managed to hit like right here where it was just a little, the can was a little thicker. Mm-hmm. Um, so. All right. Um, so before we like dive in, let's kind of get the elephant in the room out of the way of season six. And it's controversial place in the Buffy canon. Um, so any listeners who have been listening to or been watching Buffy for a long time almost certainly already know. Um uh season six is probably the most controversial buffy verse season people some people really 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 love it some people really fucking hate it i actually was not hot on it when i first saw it there were specific episodes in it that i loved Mm -hmm. but i remember thinking that there's like a lot of stuff that i wasn't a huge fan of and it shocked me that there's so many people who said that this was their favorite season Mm -hmm. But um, even just thinking back, I've only watched through the whole season once, but even just thinking back about it, there's stuff that I can say like, oh, you know, I I was kind of taking it on face value and there's a lot more to it than just mm-hmm. what you see. But there's also some shitty stuff in it. Yeah. I... It wouldn't be a Buffy season without <laughs> something bad right. in it. I, for me, it's kind of, it hits, it falls right in the middle for me. Um, five, two, and three are tops for me. Um, seven, one, and four fall toward the the bottom end. And six just kind of falls right in the middle. I think six would rank higher for me, but it makes, it makes a very, very serious misstep with a major character arc over the course of the season that takes up much of the season. Yeah, I remember thinking about it and like just when we were talking about it earlier and I'm like, God, how long did that last? Mm-hmm. It's, um, yeah, it, it actually really disappoints me because there's, there's a way that they could have still done that same story without this one specific detail, which we'll get to later when we get into later episodes, that I think could have made it one of the best arcs of the whole show. Um, it's also an arc that's been building up for quite a while. Years. So it's um, it's it's disappointing that there's like, I, like, like you said, there's a lot of really, really rich stuff in here, but there's definitely a smelly fart kind of <laughs> lingering in the air. Uh, not in this episode, though, because this episode fucking slaps. It does. Like, I... I remember you saying um, how strong you thought this episode was even before we watched it. And while we were watching, we're like, damn, this is a really good episode. It's so confident. It, it is, like, I, I typically find that the Buffy premieres are not always where they're at their strongest. We usually have to, you know, we get a, we get 
a bit of a, okay, here's where we are, then probably, like, some sort of filler episode, and then, like, you know, season three, or season two, it's, like, it's three episodes in before we meet Spike and Drusilla. In season three, it's the same before we get to Faith. Um, uh, season five, it's, like, five episodes before we meet Glory. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are really getting into it this year it starts off on such a confident note and i think it had to with buffy dead spoilers um like that's not a spoiler anymore (laughs) that's where there's literally something that has happened in previous episode (laughs) but um i do think that we are because we spend literally no time with buffy this episode until it's final seconds mm-hmm. um fun fact this episode has the least amount of screen time for buffy the character not, not sarah, not michelle, sarah geller. michelle geller but for buffy the character um in the entire series but it demands a strong confident start and this episode delivers yeah and i think um it, it does demand it because you know not only are they coming out of season five where that ending but also they're on a different network. Yeah. Like, they need to, like, establish that even though they move networks, there's still, like, something that you need to tune in and watch. Yeah. There was a lot. Guns are blazing. This one. And, th- and they've got, um, and I noticed in the credits, um, part one is written by uh, Marty Noxon. Mm-hmm. Part two is written by David Fury. Um, so, um, you've got, like, your biggest guns that aren't Jane Espenson. Yeah. Um, it, or you know joss whedon yeah. writing these premieres yeah and uh speaking of marty and joss uh should also note that uh uh whedon was no longer showrunner this year um he stepped down i think to start prepping on production for firefly because that would have aired the next season makes sense um and marty noxon stepped in as showrunner so while whedon was obviously still heavily in the mix because that's how he operated. Mm-hmm. Um, Noxon was in charge of the day-to-day at this so, point in the show. I know one specific episode that Whedon wrote and directed. Did he write and direct the season finale? No, I'm pretty okay. sure. I'm pretty sure the one that, he, that you're referring to... I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting my caveat on this that I might be wrong. But I'm pretty sure that was his only writing credit for the season... And no, the season finale, I know he didn't write it because it's the first season finale um, of the show that he didn't write. Well, this has got to be the first season premiere that he didn't write either. Uh, you probably, yeah. Because um, typically season premieres and finales are usually like written and directed by him. Yeah, um, I think that's correct. Um, little asterisk I'm always yeah. allowed to be wrong <laughs> For uh, if there are people who know better than us please correct yeah. us um, so we start where else could we start it's the not graveyard. it's not just a Buffy episode it's a Buffy premiere so we start in the graveyard uh, Tara, Spike and Giles are chasing a vampire who is they are not keeping up with this is a super action heavy opener Mm -hmm. and i think the reason that it is is because there's very little action for the rest of the oh yeah there's emotional action but i'm talking about (laughs) like like there aren't too many other fight scenes in the episode so they kind of like crammed it all into this opening one i'm like damn they're like going hard and fast right yeah 
You're no, you're absolutely right. Like there's very little it's an action light episode. So yeah, front ending it with that action. But it also is a great way for us to see similarly in the season three premiere mm-hmm. how the gang is coping sans Buffy. I would say here better than in the season three premiere. They've all got more skilled and there's just more There's of more them. of them and like, you know, a lot of the players are like they leveled one, up. Yeah. <laughs> like one they've got a vampire spike they have a more powerful willow and uh they have a robot (laughs) yeah um we uh so yeah the gang is fighting this vampire willow is watching from above using her telepathy that she displayed last season as kind of a a, general yeah she's doing a professor x yeah (laughs) and um Spike has this really badass moment where uh, I'm kind of jumping around here because I don't remember how it all happens, but Giles is like pinned by a vampire and Spike gets like knocked back and he just lights a cigarette and Willow's like, what the fuck, dude, help him? And he's like, I did. Takes a drag. And then the vampire like goes up in smoke. Because Spike lit his coat on fire or something. Yeah. Um, this is a big vampire, too. It was a big one. Yeah. We usually see... Um, yeah, vampires are usually... I mean, vampires are usually stunt people, so they're typically yeah. more lean, more muscular. This guy had the frame of, like, an NFL lineman. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, like, I found him more intimidating than a lot of the other vampires that we've seen, because he looked like... Even without being a vampire, you could kick my ass. Yeah, no, I, was, um, I, I like that because it does make the threat feel literally larger. Um, and um, so if it were just like a run-of-the-mill vampire... Excuse me. <laughs> if he were just some run-of-the-mill vampire, I'd be like, okay, why are they having so much trouble with him? But yeah, the fact that even without undead superpowers, I think this guy could throw half of our cast around pretty mm-hmm. easily. Um, I, I like it. Um, but yes, we see the Buffy bot. She, uh, we're not clued in immediately that it's the Buffy bot, but I think an educated viewer can probably make uh, Yeah, I know, I know that the writers were trying to, like, go for the whole, wait a minute, isn't Buffy dead? And, you know, they wouldn't, like, randomly throw something at you like a secret sister. So- <laughs> <laughs> Buffy's secret twin, also named Buffy, has all of her memories and experiences. Um, but they successfully defeat the, um, the vampires and the Buffy bot utters the iconic line after she stakes him. That'll put marzipan in your pie plate bingo, which is uh, a result of Willow's attempts to program the ability to quip into in the Buffy Bot's uh, oeuvre of skills. Um, but apparently this is the one she goes to every time, according to Tara. We need to make shirts with that quote on it. Like a picture of Sarah Michelle Geller. Maybe like with a with that little like scar that the like when that vampire gets oh, yeah. a hit on her, and uh, but it has to be that'll put marzipan in your fucking bingo. It is my second favorite Buffy quip of the series. <laughs> it's not even Buffy. <laughs> my favorite 
is I'm, I won't I won't say the context, but it is in the series finale where Buffy says to a villainous character, "I want you to get out of my face," which only makes sense in context. Willow says, "You know, you should be glad that I got her to stop doing knock knock jokes." Famous last words, Willow, because uh, the Buffy bot says, "Who's there?" And then we get a bit of a conversation where they, the Scoobies lament that but the Buffy bot is, it's not the same. The only real Buffy is Buffy and she's gone. Um, and it's a heavy moment, but luckily the Buffy bot's there to lighten her spirits by repeating back everything she that heard. That entire conversation followed by <laughs> who? who? <laughs> um, and I would have loved to have seen someone attempt a punchline. Um, not on the actual show, but like maybe in some bloopers. Um... <laughs> And then we go to our new season credits. Yep. We got Love some new season credits. We got some season five uh, scenes peppered in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's a, as I mentioned at the end of season five, there's a bit of a change. Yeah. Um, is Amber Benson finally in his Tara? No. <laughs> no you dumb shits. <laughs> <laughs> no. Pay um, her more? Absolutely not. Yes. Uh, the and credit is no longer Anthony Stewart had his Giles. It is Allison Hannigan as Willow. Mm-hmm. And Anthony Stewart head is now a special guest star. Yes. So um, some behind the scenes trivia, some of which we know for sure and some of which was just some speculation that Jason and I were making between while we were watching the episode so um Anthony uh uh Anthony Stewart had decided between seasons five and six um and I'm sure probably he made this decision probably before they were between seasons Mm -hmm. but um he decided to cut back uh his time on the show to part-time because uh, he had to spend a lot of time to do the show in Los Angeles, away from his family in uh, in England, and so he, um, yeah, he decided to cut back his his commitment to the show to a recurring status, so that he could um, spend more time with his family. So Allison Hannigan has moved into his spot, which for um, people who don't. Uh, who really aren't familiar with how like billing on television works um, that um, and in film this happens to um, your most prestigious places to be in the credits are at the beginning and at the end um, and if you've got an and or with credit um, uh, or in the case of uh, Gilmore Girls special appearance by despite being a series regular for mm-hmm. Edward Herman it is typically a sign of both respect. Um, uh, you know, Tony Head got it when he joined the series because he was the most established actor out of all of these, all of the cast. Um, and it also typically means they're getting paid more than the regular build actors outside of, you know, your lead. Um, and so Allison Hannigan had, obviously, Buffy brought her to fame and then she immediately had... American Pie, which took her to the next level because she had the very iconic this one time at Banff Camp. I stuck a flute up my pussy line. I didn't, I didn't know if you were going to like actually uh, well, actually say the whole line. The funny thing is, I have a tendency to start... Well, I don't really anymore because I was traumatized by it. Um, but as a kid, I would have a tendency to start stories with this one time. And my dad and my stepmom would always go, at Band Camp, 
And I never knew what it meant until I was like 20 and finally like learned the full context. And you I was still like, seen American I've Pie, still like... never seen it, but I was just like, ew, they were making this disgusting joke. Hmm. Proud of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so she had that big hit and, um, it, that was, uh, so between seasons where I presume they were renegotiated contracts she had the leverage to get the prime spot in the in the credits. Uh, so good for you, Allison. We stan a flute masturbating queen. The next morning, we learn that Willow and Tara have moved into the Summers home um, and are, uh, you know, looking after Dawn, um, which is um, very sweet. And there's a, there's a moment later in the episode, but I I just noticed how motherly, it's a better word for that, maternal, um, Tara in particular is toward Dawn, um, which makes a ton of sense for her character. She's, she's a very warm, caring, protective person. So I could absolutely see her taking on this role in Dawn's life after the death of her actual mother and then the death of sis of sister of her <laughs> sister who had taken on that guardian role um they are all getting ready for the day buffy is making the buffy bot is making an ass ton of sandwiches because tara asked her to start making some and she forgot to tell her to stop <laughs> Um, Tara's making pancakes yes she asks Don if she wants uh, silly shapes or round uh, Don tells her round is fine but she gets silly shapes anyway the phone rings the Buffy bot tries to answer it um, and they Sorry. stop her you, you just said the phone rings it took a pause and all I could think was like phone rings in the middle of the night my phone is... I have no idea what you're referring to girls just want to have fun oh I only know the chorus of that song. Oh, daddy dear, we're not the fortunate ones, but girls... I know that part. Okay. I don't know the part before that. Well, no, like, I think... I can't remember if that's, like, the actual first words of the song. Like, the phone rings in the middle of the night. It, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's the middle of the morning and the phone yeah. rings. Uh, and Buffy just wants to answer. Uh, the, but they won't let her. It should be noted she that... She just wants um, to have fun and answer it, the phone. It should girls just want to have fun. It should be noted that um, everybody's nervous because today is a big test for the Buffy boss. Yes. Um, it who is it who's on the phone? I can't even remember. Um, it's Anya. Okay, because Xander shows up um, to fix something, and That's right. uh, <laughs> the Buffy bot gives him a stack of sandwiches. And he's so stoked about it. I mean, I would too if I walked in and somebody if I walked into a house. And somebody handed me, like, a stack of, like, five or six PB&Js. I'd be ecstatic. He, I mean, I know he's in a more, you know, managerial position. But he does work a labor-intensive job. He has to keep the calorie count high. Mm -hmm. And, you know, starches are going to be good for that to help him keep his energy up. Also, um, I think, uh, I mentioned this to Harrison, I think Xander has a really good haircut going. Um, not just Xander. Across the board. Yeah. yeah Everyone is looking great. Yeah. Um, Willow's hair, I like when she has it down and it's this length specifically. Mm -hmm. It's a good cut too. Um, Anya, I've always loved her straight hair. Yes. Um, and she's, straight long hair. I can't remember if she was, I think she had, it was a slightly darker shade of blonde in the season five finale, but it's, it's a lot light. Yeah. It's like mm -hmm. straight and a lot lighter. 
Um, it's a little, the cut's a little, like, got some, like, choppy layers in some places I didn't love, but, like, generally she, she looked great. Um, Tara, her hair looked amazing. She's uh, dressing oh yeah. better. We did not talk about that long red, red leather, leather jacket oh that she was wearing. They were like, oh, let's dress Amber in clothes that look good on her <laughs> and not things that make her look like she's eight different shapes at once. <laughs> she's a beautiful woman. Stop making her pretend ugly. <laughs> it's just... Um... um yeah, who'd have thought that with Buffy dead, the person like taking over the badass leather was gonna be <laughs> Tara? I'm into it. I'm into it. Um, uh, the character whose hair is the worst this week uh, is Spike. Yeah, his normally pretty like well maintained uh, curls are pretty askew, um, so we can infer that he's not in a good place. Because... Yeah, and he's not. Um, but. Uh, they yep. decide, the gang decides that Buffy's ready for her greatest test, and that test is parent-teacher day. Um, Buffy immediately, the Buffy bot, trying to make that <laughs> distinction, um, she sees the, uh, city of the future that the kids have made, it's their version of Utopia, she takes it very, very literally, and she's like, I don't know of a species of human this small, which we, Dawn passes off as a, as her sense of humor. And I think um, I, I think this was after Zoolander, so that, I feel like that had to be a Do you think that maybe was jab. a specific joke? Yeah, like, uh, because, you know, one of the most famous jokes from Zoolander is when he, like, looks at the model of this fashion center, and Ben Stiller's like, what is this? A center for ants? <laughs> um, yeah, let me... Let me let me check my info. Check here. your math. Mm-hmm. I've only seen Zoolander once. I'm not like a giant fan. Okay. Um. Came out. Okay. Um. September twenty eighth, two thousand one. Oh. So very a little too close to the premiere date. So they would have had this joke written. Yeah. Before. That movie came out. Apparently 2001, which is a hotbed for cities that are very small <laughs> jokes. Um, that's actually kind of crazy how close to this, yeah, that's to this premiere date it was. Um, uh, in uh, Mrs. Leftcourt's class, uh, thank yeah, you, wow. Buffy Wiki, um, she... Um, but the Buffy bot reacts very literally to everything the teacher's saying. Uh, she says, um, school is a place where you learn. I made sandwiches for lunch every day, you know. Uh, but the other teachers, like, really respond to the it. Parents. because Or the parents. Well, the teacher does, too. The teacher, well, yeah, like, yeah, the, the teacher says something along the lines of, like, we want to make sure that we know, that kids know what school is for and Buffy Bot stands up and says school is for learning yeah. and everybody just stares at her for a minute there's a break and like uh, and Dawn's like oh god but it's like exactly <laughs> most people think that school is a social a social uh, a social place but it, we also want them to be just excited about studies and um, she says like oh yeah I mean I helped make lunch today I made peanut butter and jelly and uh, and again there's another another pause but then one of the uh one of the parents like tell me about it i mean i my kid's been brown bagging it but i'm still paying for the meal plan and it actually spawns 
a fairly important discussion yeah. for this. Everyone just kind of projects their own things onto the Buffy Bunch. Just literal statements. Uh, so here's a question. Very Did funny. you have these parent-teacher days at um, when you were at school? Um, there definitely were. Um, it kind of took on the different forms. Yeah. Um, there were, I know there were like parent teacher, there was, there was like open classroom nights where it wasn't like a formal thing where it was just, um, you would go in and like we did, um, I, it was, I know like every homeroom class did like some sort of project that they displayed like on, you displayed it on your desk. And, like, everyone could just come in and, like, walk through the classrooms and look at, like, what the projects were and stuff. Um, and then I, I feel like and this was, like, in middle school. And then in, there were also, like, more formal, like, parent-teacher conferences that were, like, you, like, parents signed up for a time. And it was, like, a 10 to 15 minute long, like, sit down with the teacher where they just would, like, go over things. But then, like, once you get to high school, that didn't really happen anymore. Like, if a teacher needed to talk to a parent, they would they they would just, like, set up a time. Yeah, it's very interesting uh, for me. In grade school, we did uh, PTS conferences, which mm-hmm. were parent-teacher-student. So the student was there for that. I now, think we might have done that, too. These always coincided with the Scholastic yes! Book Fair. Yes, it did. Hell and, yeah, it um, did. You know... You, you kind of hope that if you got a good, if you had a good conference, you could then make your way to the book fair, which of course was open while the parents mm-hmm. and students were there at night. And then they'd be like, oh, can I get something from the book fair? Like, well, you had a good conference. So there you go. You try to get one of those three packs that was like Animorphs or Goosebumps mm-hmm. or, Ma- or like one of those and you get three of them, but they were never in the right order. So you're just... <laughs> Oh my gosh, getting Goosebumps and Animorphs books was like fucking Pokemon cards, like trying to collect them all. The uh, I was a little um, stranger in my choice of series that I wanted to collect all of. What was it? The Boxcar Children. Oh yeah, The Boxcar Children were great. By uh, Miss Gertrude Chandler Warner. Um, but uh, And then in like at St. X in high school, they didn't have like any specific parent-teacher nights except for freshmen. Um, freshmen, like that was, uh, that was like your parents would come, like wasn't the students mm-hmm. parents would come and they would basically have like little five, 10 minute sessions in each class that yeah. you had. And we, uh, I, we did that too. Yeah. But it was, yeah, you were right. It was only for freshmen. Mm-hmm. Did you all do a, um, for when your freshman year, did you do a, um, at Trinity we did like a half day the day before the rest of the school started where you would literally go to each class for like 15 minutes to one to just get your your bearings because trinity and st x were pretty big Mm -hmm. schools so it was a way to like let the freshmen get their bearings before the rest of the school was there and also just like know where their classrooms were yeah um so that was a so our first day of school was always on a friday yeah um but yeah, Wednesday would be um, short, like maybe hour-long sessions. Um, first, it would be seniors. Then it would be um, juniors, then sophomores. And it would just be kind of like a general assembly orientation. And then Thursday was the orientation day for freshmen where they did that. Yeah. And, you know, 
figured out where the hell everything was. And then Friday was first day of classes. Then you got a weekend. <laughs> I remember, really easy. I remember my uh, one of my teachers said, "You know, I can really be, be down for this. You know, one day of class, two days off. That's how it should be." <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So the Buffy bot is a hit yeah. at the parent teacher day. <laughs> um, so uh, at the magic box, uh, Giles and Anya get into a slap fight. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we learn that Giles is planning on moving back to England, and while he will retain ownership of the magic box, um, he's leaving Anya in charge. Um, I personally cannot think of a better person to put in charge. You know, maybe they should hire. Yeah, you know that like the employee that's on that yeah. is one employee that yeah. he has. I mean. It maybe wouldn't be the worst idea to hire someone part time whose whose job is primarily customer facing and let mm-hmm. Anya handle the business side of things. But you know, regardless, um, and Anya's getting impatient because Giles keeps pushing his plans back, um, and uh, we learn that part of her impatience stems from. Uh, the fact that she and she she and Xander have not announced their engagement yet to any of their friends. Um, everyone's being very cagey. Um, no one's really talking about it. But um, they, she stressed because Giles is leaving but not leaving, and she wonders if he even should leave because of what might happen. Um, and Xander doesn't want to announce their engagement until. They know for sure how things are going to go out with something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Buffy's resurrection, my friends. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you haven't watched the episode, that's your fault. Stay frosty, um, stay frosty my friends. Um, but we said spoiler warnings. We did. We did. <laughs> um, uh, but I do like that. Uh, uh, Anya's like this whole wedding thing was your stupid idea I didn't ask to be crazy <laughs> yeah I um and you know you gotta feel for Giles because and he he mentioned this he mentions this later um in the scene with the Buffy bot but I mean he's kind of like at a lack of purpose mm-hmm. at this point now and he was feeling that way last season too yeah um and uh I'm sure there were plenty of times in, during season four that he felt, I think season four was when he felt the most lost. Because at the beginning of season five, that's when Buffy says, like, hey, yes. I need you. Um, so, but now Buffy's not there. And, uh, you know, Giles doesn't really have, apart from the magic shop and his relationship with these kids, he doesn't really have anything holding him there. And, uh, yeah, it's it, it's kind of weird because this is where his whole life has been. For um, now, was he in America before uh, he before Buffy went to Sunnydale High, or um, it uh, couldn't have been much longer? No, too long I, before. like I would say like because they referred to him as the new librarian, mm-hmm. so he would have. I I would guess he was there a couple weeks before Buffy at most. But yeah, I can I can actually kind of relate to that because there have been times when I. Um, you know, maybe try to hang out with a group of people that, 
are at a place that I like used to frequent or, um, and it's like, it's all like maybe younger people Mm -hmm. and a lot of people that I know have moved on. And, uh, it's like, this just doesn't feel like what it used to anymore. Yeah. I feel like if the circumstances were different and Buffy if Buffy were not here any longer for a reason other than her death, which I don't know what those circumstances would be, I think Giles would maybe stay. I think his ties in Sunnydale are strong enough. Um, but it's her death is too much for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he, it's and being there in the place where he died, where she died those ties with the others are not strong enough for him to work through that pain, I think. Um, and I I think that's valid, man. Yeah. Um, the That night, the Scoobies are having a meeting, so Spike is babysitting Dawn. Um, Dawn's like... You, you know, want to talk about like somebody being protective of Dawn. Yeah. I mean, Spike is taking... Buffy's last request to him truly to heart. Yeah. Well, and he says, because Don's like, you know, you can leave. You don't have to protect me. And he gets really pissed. He's like, yes, I do. You know, I he, I can't remember his exact lines, but I like he's like, I have to protect you. I couldn't last time. And, you know, to Spike's, you know, in Spike's mind, you know, his he couldn't protect Don when he was up on that tower. And that's what meant Buffy was up there, and that's why she died. So it's not even just her, his last promise to Buffy. There's also, uh, you know, uh, he's feeling that guilt of if he'd been successfully able to protect Dawn, Buffy would still be alive. Yeah. Um, Did we mention this was a heavy episode? What a toxic <laughs> man! <laughs> no, uh, we're uh, Spike's great in this episode. I love my Spike. Um, the uh meanwhile the buffy bot is patrolling uh she meets this little twerp fuck of a vampire it's like if lee mercer was a vampire but like even less cool than lee mercer at least lee mercer had a suit and a job Uh, there you go making fun of his attire again i i like hansen Again, like I don't know what their I don't know what their like COVID stance was, but I mean, you know, like I said, foundational part of my youth. That might have been one of the first CDs that I actually bought with my own money, the Hanson Middle of Nowhere CD. Nice. Um, do you know what CD I was trying to hunt down the other day that I used to have growing up? What was that? Uh, I texted my dad to see if he. If it was still at his house. Is it the Digimon he... movie soundtrack? No, I never had that one, but that I soundtrack did, did it fucking It was great. <laughs> um, a similar era, um, probably maybe even the same year, um, the live action Scooby-Doo soundtrack. Okay. Because that, that was a frequent player on my boombox. Um, <laughs> but... Um, she, the Buffy got, the Buffy bot gets a, uh, a scratch that, uh, fucks up, I guess, her nervous system, her robot nervous system, um, and this vampire is like, holy shit, you're a robot. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, did everybody else know? <laughs> <laughs> So he gets away and the Buffy bot is just like walking into some barrels. Um, there is a great bit where he, this vampire is attacking this woman 
And the Buffy bot just like like stops him and she says to the woman, it's okay, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> you can run away now. And then like, you know, the person runs away, but then like the vampire says, she's like, not you. Not you. <laughs> um, God, I love Sarah Michelle Gellar doing the Buffy bot. Oh, it is so good. It's such a delight. Yes. Um, at Xander's apartment, um, the Scoobies have met. Um, and I'm just for the sake of ease, for this episode, when I am referring to the Scoobies, I am referring to this core four of Willow, Xander, Anya, and Tara. Um, they, I, I recognize that Don and the Giles are Scoobies. also... Yes, the secret Scoobies. Um, Anya has found on eBay the last urn of Osiris uh, and also a uh, limited edition Backstreet Boys lunchbox for <clears throat> a friend... Um, it's another uh, boy band reference, two in one episode. Yeah. Uh, I really love There's just a great shot of after Anya does the correction of a friend that Tara just kind of looks at Xander and smiles. Um, I love that Anya, or that Tara just always knows. She's so perceptive. Well, I mean, I mean, it wasn't so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they. Um, this is where we learn, like, officially that they plan on resurrecting Buffy. This is, this, this urn is almost the last thing they need. Um, everything is in alignment. And Willow declares they're going to bring Buffy back to life tomorrow. And this puts Xander in particular into a bit of a panic. Um, this moving from the theoretical into the, like, we're going to do it. Um, I have to say, I, I, I'm, I'm on Xander's side here. I mean, he is, he's say you know, he's saying, you know, we need to think about this. We need to talk about it. This is, you know, this is heavy, dark stuff we're messing with. Um, and let's be honest, there's a reason that they are not telling Giles. Yeah, because they know he'll say no and stop ever doing it. Yeah. Uh, one thing I love about not just Tara in the scene, but also Tara in the resurrection scene at the end of the episode, is that she knows the dangers that come with Mm -hmm. this. Like, she says, like, yeah, of course it feels wrong. It's against every single law of nature. But she still is going through with it because she trusts Willow implicitly. Yeah, yeah. It's this whole scene is. I I, I agree. I like that. I love her trust in Willow. I also love that she's just like, yeah, we maybe shouldn't be doing this, but it is what we all agreed on. And the the and Trump card is holding them to it. Oh, she is. And Willow, <laughs> Allison. I mean, they're all really good in this scene. Um, it really the majority of the scene is is Willow and Xander. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Anya and Tara are really great support uh, support pillars in this. Um, I do appreciate that they're worried. He's like worried about Buffy coming back wanting brains. And Anya's like, oh, it's a common misconception. Zombies only eat brains if commanded to by their zombie master. Which <laughs> Tara enthusiastically <laughs> nods. Like, she's right. She knows what she's talking about. Um, but it is... Um, you know, Willow's the one, you know, this is kind of her trump card in this argument is that, you know, Buffy, you know, this isn't like Dawn trying to resurrect 
Joyce. Buffy died by going through a mystical portal energy. Um, And, you know, they buried her body, but they don't know what happened to her soul. And she she name drops Angel's time in a hell dimension. Yeah, after um, he got sucked up by Akathala. Yeah, and that is what Willow is terrified has happened to her friend. And even though I'm on Xander's side in this argument, I don't even want to call it an argument because it's really not. But if if I was ha- if I were Xander in that moment and I was having this disagreement with my friend, the second she says that, I'm like, you're right. Like even if I was having misgivings, I think hearing that, I mean, God, Xander doesn't even like Angel, and he's like, um, because it, I mean, it is compelling. It is a compelling idea that Buffy could be suffering in a horrible hell dimension because she was killed by going through a portal to a hell dimension. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just think the scene, the whole scene is so fantastic. I love how everyone's, um, where everyone's at emotionally. Um, I love that Xander's like, who put you in charge? And Tara's like, you did. You said that Willow should be in charge, and we all agreed. He even made her flag. I know, so sweet of him. Apparently, he had sparkles. Um, that's the Xander energy I want. More of that Xander. More of emotionally mature Xander. I think we're. Um, I think that's what we've got. We, uh, yes. yeah, we're we're guys. I, I think like the chat alert might be done. Um, it might be time to retire it because now. We may bring it out of retirement every once in a while because you know Xander still is Xander, but um, I don't think he's, I don't think he's a Chad any longer. I think he's, you know, he grew up. Yeah. Um, the next or that evening, Willow returns back to the Summers household uh, to find the Buffy bot has gone there. Uh, we learn that uh, the Buffy bot is programmed to find Willow when she is injured. Um, but Spike was not letting her leave, which Willow agrees. In this case, was probably for the best. Um, she opens up a stomach panel <laughs> on the Buffy bot, plugs her into the laptop uh, to start working on uh, some repairs. And um, she makes a comment about Spike's washboard abs. And Spike is not happy. Um he tells Willow, like, I thought I told you to get rid of all of that stuff. Maybe you shouldn't have programmed it in the first place, Spike, but that's for a different day. Um, that's and... pretty much the reason why, like, that and looking after Dawn, those are the reasons why his hair is so disheveled. Yeah. Uh, but after Spike leaves, um, the Buffy bot kind of is like, I don't understand why Spike doesn't like me. And Willow tries to comfort her and she's like, no, it's just, you know, he's just a vampire. He's, he gets cranky and the Buffy bot, this is actually, I'm like, I shouldn't be heartbroken for the Buffy bot, but like the Buffy bot's like, no, he, he doesn't look at me anymore. And then while she's telling Willow this, Willow is also basically unable to make eye contact with the Buffy bot. There is a, and we missed it in the early part of the episode in the breakfast scene, but, uh, you know, they, Uh, they do say, um, that they want like her to be like the best that she can be at being Buffy and, uh, and, and the Buffy bot says, of course, cause I'm your sister and like goes over and hugs Dawn and, you know, 
Dawn doesn't really hug her back because... And, you know, if there's anything that's missing from this, I'm expecting a bigger reaction from Dawn about this Buffy bot thinking that it is Buffy. Um, You obviously get this great reaction from Spike. Mm -hmm. Um, You got some pretty good reactions from uh, Anya and Giles in the next scene. Um, But... uh, there isn't really too much of a reaction from Dawn when the Buffy bot does these things. Yeah, I'm going to suggest, though, that that... that and I'm going to tie it to, I think, what comes next. Yes, it is what comes next. Um, is Dawn going in and lying in the bed with the Buffy bot. That is true. I forgot about that scene. There's... A, she, well, no. But no, you're right. They, they all kind of react to it in a bit of a, like this is kind of traumatic for us mm-hmm. to have to deal with because of course it is. And I'm, it, and it is traumatic for Dawn too, I'm sure, but she's at a different level of maturity than the other characters. So I, I imagine that even though long-term not good for her, like in the short term, it probably brings her some comfort yeah. that she has a facsimile of her sister. Um, Good use of the word I, facsimile, Harrison. Yeah, good, yeah, good job. Good job, Mr. Ryder. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm about to retract what I said before because I, I realized that I said that and completely forgot about the scene where she no. gets into bed like and cuddles up next to the yeah. bubble Yeah, I know, but I don't think you're wrong, though. I think I think you were just pointing out that it is a, there are di- the characters are having different levels of mm-hmm. reactions to her from Dawn taking a certain amount of comfort to Spike's you know anger. And And, hey, you know, when it comes to robots and Buffy, we've come a long way from Moloch. Yes. Um, The uh, so the next day, um, Giles is training with the Buffy bot um, and he tries to engage with her like he would engage Buffy, um, which Anya comes in looking stunning in this like blue kind of like, I guess, teal, maybe like a cerulean, maybe sweater. Um, but she's just like, you know, that's not Buffy and, you know, she's, and the Buffy bot also is just like, yeah, it's not me. I like our lessons, but I'm, I don't need air to breathe. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and, uh, Giles talks about how every watcher slayer relationship ends in death death. and, uh, it's really, uh, Anthony head (laughs) so good. Um, and the um, the Buffy bot asks him, like, he's like, you know, I have nothing left here. And so she's just like, well, why are you still here? And that is the <laughs> kick in the pants that Giles needs yes. to uh, go and leave Sunnydale. Yes. Um, let's take a break from our gang and go over to a different kind of gang. A demon biker gang, which I love. I don't even yeah. care that on on paper that sounds so dumb. So no, I'm yeah, into the, them. no, the idea seems a little too uh, uh, from dusk till dawn. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but these character designs for these demons are kick ass. They're so cool. Like, I mean, I think I I don't think Angel was the only one that got the bump up in budget. Yeah. I just I also think and I will say they are still a little silly. But the rest of the episode is so heavy that a bit of levity here, I'm fine with. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm, I'm, 
unlike the Buffy bot, I do need oxygen to live. I need a moment <laughs> to breathe. But uh, this vampire has made his way to this demon bar. He's bragging uh, about kicking the Slayer's ass. Um, and... This isn't the first time this season where a character will go mm-hmm. to a bar and brag about kicking the Slayer's ass. Well, this is the first time this season. Oh, yeah, excuse me. <laughs> I would say this isn't the last time. Sorry to be pedantic. No, 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 no. You, thank you for that correction. This isn't the last time that a character will go to a bar and brag about kicking the Slayer's mm-hmm. ass. Um, Very different circumstances than when it happens later. Y'all. <laughs> um, but yeah, this vampire explains, like, you know, the, the Slayer was a robot. And the, de- the leader of this demon bike gang is like, oh, that's interesting. There's a fake Slayer. That means the real Slayer is not around. The Hellmouth is a fucking free-for-all. Uh, and they, he rips off that vampire's head. <laughs> <laughs> Your laugh. That was so good. <laughs> it got really kind of evil at the okay, end of it. <laughs> so I'm going to, um, weird tangent, but it, it relates to laughing at really dark shit. Um, John and I, on Saturday, when we got back from his parents' house, we went and saw um, the menu. Um, which was really funny. I was already planning on seeing it, but when I told John I was going, he had remembered seeing the trailer when we I saw really Halloween. Want to and see that movie. It's so fucking good. Like That's what I've heard. He he was like, "Oh, I actually want to see that." So we went together. He does, for reference, uh, listeners. My husband doesn't go see horror movies with me very often because um, he really doesn't like them very much. But he's he's a big foodie person. He loves watching cooking shows. So he was kind of into the idea of like a horror satire set in a fancy restaurant. It was so fucking good. They were John and I were cackling the whole movie. And it was so frustrating because our audience was it was almost a full audience, but it was very obvious that a lot of them just did not get some of the jokes because there was like there were a couple other people laughing and there was there were come some moments of like big laughter but there were times where john and i were like are we psychos like because we were laughing like there would be like dead silence and we were like laughing so hard at something and we were like you all don't get it it's like there's a part where ray fiend's character is like screaming because someone asked for a substitution and on their meal and we were it's it's a great movie Highly recommended. Speaking um, of uh, speaking of attractive robots, uh, Anya Taylor Joy is in that. Oh my god, she's fucking brilliant. I mean, like, I don't think I've ever seen her disappoint. In I, a role. I, I'm sure I've said this before on the podcast, but I mean, we're all aware that Anya Taylor Joy is in fact a robot. Yeah, I think and, Cyborg is probably more accurate. Well, no, um, I, Cyborg would imply that she is a um, that there's like uh, that she, like there's kind of like a half human yeah aspect to her. No, no. She is you girls. She, girls are straight up android. You think she's full android? Yes. I'm gonna say um, cyborg, but I I appreciate and uh, your feelings now. And that. just to be clear, Anya Taylor Joy is a robot. Timothy Chalamet is a result of genetic engineering. Yeah, but that's your uh, that's your little truth bomb. Yeah. <laughs> truth bomb from Jason. Um, let's travel to a lovely meadow. Uh, the, I can't tell, but the weather looked lovely. I'm sure mm-hmm. there was a nice breeze. It was sunny. Will was sitting on a lovely patch of soft grass that I'm sure was just slightly sprinkled with the morning dew. She's wearing a beautiful white dress. Um, just what a, what a lovely, 
lovely idyllic early fall day. But you know, she's doing um she's doing some magic. She's she's in the little she's invoking uh, some names. And this is just the cutest little fawn approaches her. She she picks it up and she strokes it and then she stabs it to death. Willow. Mm-hmm. Willow. Hi Willow, it's Harrison. Let's talk about some of the choices you're making. Everybody keep in mind that Harrison is talking to a fictional character and that these events transpired on the television show in the year 2001. Um, but this Moving is on. pretty shocking. Pretty, pretty shocking thing to see Willow do. Um, um, later on, Willow will lie to her friends that she went to a black market to get this ingredient that she needed. She doesn't tell them that it's blood. Um, she um, she would rather her friends thought that she went to an extremely dangerous, shady place to purchase this ingredient than know what she actually did. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, everybody else is already uncomfortable with what they're doing. They have no idea. They have no idea what... what um, I mean, listen, it's pretty safe to say that if you're stabbing baby deers for your for your spell, that's some dark shit. That's some dark shit. Yeah, Hello. we talked we, we talked about how uh how Angel had to like, you know, find all this stuff from the visions that Wolfram and Hart put into Cordelia's head. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, these are all like artifacts of like the powers and you know, they're meant to be like good and he's like, ah oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Willow's dealing in some dark stuff um, and lying to her friends about it. So that's not great, Willow. Um, Gee, I wonder what a theme of this season is going to be. <laughs> um, at the Magic Box, uh, the secret Scoobies have gathered. Um, they're all very stressed about doing this very dangerous spell that they don't even know how stressed they maybe should be. When Anya finds that Giles has left a note, um, he's, he's doing an Irish goodbye. Irish goodbye. Um, and they, the Scoobies say, no, no, no. We're not about that life. So the secret Scoobies and Dawn show up at, uh, at the Sunnydale airport. Um, because this was, uh, despite airing post 9-11, it was presumably written and filmed pre 9-11 and they are able to go straight up to the gate, uh, to the boarding gate, which not anymore. With um, yeah, I think I only flew once before nine eleven. Yeah, I did too. And uh, that was like when I was in second grade, so I barely remember it, especially because like it was a uh, kind of a almost home alone esque mad dash to get to oh. the airport. Um, you thought I meant that we got separated. I, no. Yeah, for a second no, I was no, just no, like, oh my no. god, you got lost. No, no, no. Just, uh, you know, uh, run, run, Rudolph. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I... Yeah, it, it's very strange because... Now, how long... Do you, I don't know if you remember this. I mean, we were we were both fairly young when it happened. But um, how long did it take for them to implement all of those TSA, like, searches and everything. I think pretty um, quickly. Really? I think, I mean, I could be wrong, and I'm not going to look it up at the moment for the risk of going too long, but I feel like, I mean, I planes were grounded for 
I think I think when they reopened the airports and got planes back in the sky, they at least had rudimentary versions of those rules mm-hmm. in place. Um, they maybe refined them as they went, or you know, having flown since then, maybe not. Um, but I think that happened quickly, um, much like the the re rise of white nationalism happened quite quickly after mm-hmm. 9-11. 9-11 was real bad in a lot of ways. Yep. Um, anyway, they bring some cute gifts for Giles. Um, Willow made a Bon Voyage sign with balloons. Oh, they um, got him a, an apple, apple pie. Because uh, it's American. Yes, it should be noted that they got all of their gifts at the gas station. Well, of course. Uh, Tara got him a little monster pan puppet. And she says, grr, arg, cute. Um, For those of you all who don't know, if you like, never watch past the credits yes. of of um, of Buffy or any Joss Whedon, uh, but I think the girl art only happens in Buffy. Oh, uh, I actually don't know. I don't. No, I, I think it's on All Mutant Enemy. Uh, stuff. Okay, yeah, uh, Mutant Enemy is the production company of Joss Whedon, and uh, it shows a um, a very rudimentary paper monster that. Uh, looks similar to Tara's hand puppet and it always is going grr R um except for like special episodes when uh it um because it is that is it at the end of the body when it's like crying or is that the end um, of season two at the end of season two it says I need a hug okay um at the end of the body it doesn't say anything okay and I think mm. it just like looks out at the audience okay. I don't know if it's crying um we will have it will say something different at the end of Once More With Feeling. Mm-hmm. I know that. And then there's a season seven episode Storyteller where it does something a little different too. But yeah, like it, the, the typical thing is that it is going across the screen saying, grr, arr. So um, t- what Tara's doing is a little reference a to little that. Cute. Uh, Xander wanted to get him some malt liquor, but the guy in front of the gas station wouldn't buy it for them. Just a reminder that our characters are under 21 still yeah that's a weird reality (laughs) Um, i believe they're all 20 at this point um and um uh and they got a card for him uh that they all signed in the car um and it's it's just a it's lovely willow tells him she says it twice uh the first time with a bit more confidence than the second time but she says we'll miss you but we'll be fine um, he gives them all a hug. Uh, he boards I, the plane. So I love, um, I love that he gives hugs to everybody. My two favorites are, um, obviously there's the Willow. Um, yeah. he's like, he doesn't know what to say, but I love that he specifically like, you know, it's silent hugs for everybody else, but Dawn gets a hug and it says like, if you need anything, I'm just a phone call away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've always talked about how um giles is the good father that uh that buffy never had so i think that like he's taken that role to heart mm-hmm. even though buffy's gone i think he still wants to make sure that dawn feels some level of that as well yeah so i like that he specifically said that to dawn yeah and he gets a glomp hug from anya mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like nearly knocks him over <laughs> Um, she's gonna take care of his money yeah <laughs> and he's like i have no doubt <laughs> it's so sweet um 
As they're leaving the airport, though, um, Tara does kind of lead Dawn away and comforts her and says, you know, we'll call Giles tomorrow. Um, they're worried about Giles. He doesn't have any friends in England, you know, but... Um, and then... What if the kids are all mean to him? <laughs> <laughs> they're all gonna laugh at him! I don't know why I'm devolving into this. <laughs> um... But they're like, should we even have let him go? Like, what will we tell him? Um, and well, you know, it's kind of convenient because it's a lot easier to hide hide <laughs> a, hide the hidden resurrection of your friend from uh, your British mentor when that British mentor is no longer in America. Hell yeah, the secret Scoobies. They go to Buffy's grave, where they prepare the spell. Um, Anya Xander and Tara are holding candles. Um, Willow pours the blood and presumably other stuff into the urn. And the ritual begins. And it's very intense. Uh, Willow begins getting like cuts all over her arms. They can't break the circle, though, because yeah. um, if they do, then like, you know, the ritual just is a wash. Yeah. And uh, Tara is basically telling them, don't do anything. Do not, you know, she can handle it. She told me she'd be tested. She's strong. We, you know, we let this happen. There's that trust. Um, things are crawling around under her skin. And then they kind of form what they kind of come together at her throat to form one large mass that is a fucking snake that. No. Crawls out of her mouth. Yeah, she kind of vomits up a snake. Uh, I oh, I didn't watch that part, um, as I'm sure everyone knows. I mean, yeah, it's uh, it, it's disturbing, but it's also metal as hell. Oh, it's so <laughs> fucking cool. It's so fucking cool. Um, meanwhile, um, the demon bikers arrive in Sunnydale, start tearing shit up. Uh, Spike is watching Dawn. He, he sees what's going on. He tells her to like stay put. He's gonna go find. Um, he's gonna go make sure all like the entrances to the house are secure. And the demons encounter the Buffy bot. Um, they attack her. They injure her. So she's um, gotta go to. Bu- she's gotta go to Willow. She's gotta go to Willow. She fights them off and makes you know starts heading towards the woods. Um, and yeah, she leads the bikers straight to the secret Scoobies. Um, I love that term. I'm into it. And in the scuffle while all of this is happening, the urn is broken. Uh, Willow lets out this howl of despair when it happens that is just a feel for her. Um, you were uh, feeling for her when she threw up a snake. I mean, yeah. I was feeling for me. Having to like this. Um, the, in, like, in the whole scuffle, the bikers manage to get the Buffy bot. Um, Tara and Anya escape in one direction. They're chased. Um, one of the bikers grabs Anya, but Tara saves her with a spell. I Remember, loved that. Tara does spells too. Yeah, I loved that. Just a nice moment. Uh, Xander picks up Willow, who's like basically She's spent. He carries her off in the other direction. Um, they get away. And Xander has to tell Willow it didn't work. And see, how does he know? 
Because he doesn't know. Because it does work. It, yeah. <laughs> um, but based on what they knew, if it didn't get completed, I guess it got completed enough. Uh, because we go underground. We go into Buffy's coffin. And we girls, get Buffy's... Girls, gotten, girls rotted something fierce. Yes. Uh, just over a couple months. Yeah. Well, I mean, they buried her in secret, so presumably they didn't embalm her or anything. Mm, so. I didn't even think about that. But, uh, don't worry, because uh, I really like the special that, effects. That is on... a bit of a logistics problem, because, I mean, now it was... We're, I guess, like, so she wasn't in the cemetery. No, they yeah. seem to be, like, deep, deep in the woods. Well, I mean, that makes sense, because, like, you, you bury her in the cemetery, then, um... You know, say like somebody from the school is going through the cemetery. They see Buffy Ann Summers and like, yeah. wait a minute, I just saw her in the parent teacher <laughs> thing. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that's a, that's a good detail by the writers. Yeah. Um. But Buffy is resurrected. We get some really cool. I really love the special effect of the her undecaying, um, especially because it kind of starts with her eyes, and they just like turn like they just get the whites of them before the rest of her eyes come back it's very creepy um and that's the end if you're watching on dvd it keeps going into part two but we are not covering part two today um but that is bargaining part one we end with buffy resurrected but unfortunately still in her grave which is not a great place to be if you're not dead yeah, she's gonna have to kill Bill her way out of it. All right, I, I'm I'm not a huge fan of those movies, but I have oh, to really? admit, <laughs> I, I, but I have to admit, um, we we I'm here to say something nice about it. I know I'm just giving you hell, <laughs> and I actually do enjoy like the part where um, Uma Thurman does punch her way out of her grave, out of like the box that she got buried in, mm-hmm. and basically like, climbs out of her grave. So that uh, that was pretty dope. It's pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Um, bargaining. Yeah, I love this episode. It's great. I think it's so strong. I think it is. It's really confident. I think all of the emotional beats hit perfectly. Like I, I don't. There's not a false one here, in my opinion. Um. I. It's five out of five for me. Yeah, like I'm. I'm really trying to think if there's like anything that I. I'm always hesitant to give something a five out of five, especially like a season premiere, because like, oh man, like, can't go up from there. Yeah. Um, but I can't really think of anything that's out of place. I mean, it's not. It is one of the heavier episodes of Buffy that we've had, but at the same time, you also have like <laughs> the Buffy Bot making stacks of peanut yeah. butter jelly sandwiches <laughs> and being like the absolute hit of Parent Teacher Day, and that's. That's objectively hilarious. Yeah. Um, I just... I gotta give it a 5 out of 5, too. I can't... I can't believe I'm saying that about a season premiere, but... but it's, it's a strong premiere. I Yeah, and I just... Even outside of just resurrecting Buffy, I... I, I feel like... It resurrects her in such a way that it gives it stakes, so I don't feel like it... it makes her sacrifice in season five less emotional or mean less. Um, like, I, and we'll, we'll talk 
obviously we'll talk more about about what uh, the consequences will be if there will be any of her resurrection. But it has laid out the idea that is Buffy being resurrected a good thing? Mm-hmm. You know, that is what this premiere is started to ask and we'll definitely explore that more next yeah, week yeah that is this is a very large can of worms yeah so yeah i'm just stoked i'm stoked i love this episode i um and i'm really i feel like season six is going to be one that's going to be difficult to talk about in terms of spoilers um spoilers subject matter uh-huh, theme um, yeah it's yeah you are not wrong when you said it was one of the most divisive seasons of buffy yeah um so yeah but i'm excited to talk about it um Mm -hmm. and to talk about season three of angel i think we've got a lot of good stuff coming our way we do so all right is there anything else you want to say before we pop out of here no pop out of this weasel thank you for joining us on booze and buffy we'll be back next week with buffy season six episode two can you guess what it's called bargaining Uh, part two yes I am Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and I'm on and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C O F F M A N. And I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at YamiJ357. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week, we are highlighting the Center for Loss and Bereavement. Pretty on point. Yeah. The Center for Loss and Bereavement is a nonprofit organization that provides professional counseling, support, services, and education for those individuals, couples, and families dealing with loss and bereavement. Visit www.bereavementcenter.org for more information. And as always, go slay. And be gay. Ta-ta. TTFN, ta-ta for now. TTFN, ta-ta forever. The Tigger movie.